It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It is Thursday night. It is 8 p.m. Central. It is Thursday night tide on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL alongside fellow staffer Clint Lamb. Clint, we're going to have Jimmy Stein along with us in about 15 minutes or so. And I know, I just know Jimmy is going to have the book on this UT Chattanooga team. He's going to fill in the blanks. We've heard from Nick Saban this week. We heard from Nick Saban with Charlie Potter just moments ago on the Nick Saban show. Charlie did a good job, by the way. We talked about we were going to review Charlie's performance. I thought Charlie looked good. Charlie sounded good. Charlie confident, pro, man. Yeah, he was ready to roll. We had those questions ready to roll. Yeah, he did a phenomenal job. Pulled some pretty good stuff out of Nick. So, yeah, we're well, always what, what's the grade? Uh, Charlie gets a, uh, that's an A for Charlie. You I think know? it's an A. Charlie yeah. is poised and prepared, professional. How many P's can I come up with we to can't, describe Potter? We can't give him an A plus because then he's got nothing else to strive for. So we well, got to give him that, you know, it, it, this is a plus minus scale. And so we'll leave it open. Not going to give him perfection, but he was pretty darn close tonight. He's very good. Very good. And we just need, we got to get on to Tim about the on three slash BOL gear. I mean, it's time to come off the gear, guys. You know, Charlie looked on great, three. but you I know, love, we, we got to have Charlie in some Bama online gear. I know? love this on three hat. I love all the on three gear that I own, but that hat that you have on your head right now and that red one, that's goat status, Travis. Well, that's, right. you know, that's, uh, that's self-designed stuff. You know, I've offered my services to BOL and the hierarchy you know, to kind of help with that. Well, I think there's maybe some things in the works too. So a lot to get into on Thursday night tide. It is a game week. It is an FCS opponent in the Chattanooga mocks. But again, we've heard from Nick Saban in relation to this team. That's going to visit Bryant Denny stadium for another early kickoff on Saturday. And, you know, I actually went down the Tennessee Chattanooga rabbit hole a little bit today, Clint. And, when you look at this team, and we're going to talk more about Alabama, given the opponent this week, but to be respectful of, of Chattanooga, this is a team that two weeks ago was probably two minutes away from winning a Southern Conference championship, had their hearts broken on their home field by the Paladins, the Purple Paladins of Furman in a 17-14 to 14 loss. And so it's a 7-3 and three UTC team on its way to Tuscaloosa. It's a team that had last weekend off because its regular season finale was the same weekend Alabama hosted LSU. But I know for both of us, when we look at these kind of games in mid to late November, you start wanting to think about, hey, how many of these guys can Alabama get on the field? How many of these young guys, how much of the depth can Alabama maybe get involved in this game. And it was really a bonus last Saturday in Lexington to really have that whole fourth quarter to, to be able to do that, I guess. Yeah, it was, I mean, when Ty Simpson came in, it wasn't coming in and turning around and handing the football off, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 times. Uh, and then the game's over. It was letting him sling the football around a little bit and seeing how he's grown. I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to compare it to like 2018, Jalen Hurts kind of disappears behind the scenes for a while and he comes in that uh, SEC championship game and he just looks worlds better than he did the last time you saw him out there. It wasn't that type of growth, but I thought Ty Simpson looked a lot more confident. I thought he looked a lot better operating the offense. He knew where to go with the football. He was going through his progressions on the drop to with that Robbie Utes had. He it, That was like his third or fourth read. So he just looked very comfortable operating the offense. And, you know, when you saw that with Jalen Milrow at the beginning of the game where he gets a little bit banged up, it's, you know, you start thinking about some things with the way he likes to run the football and, and, and you know, accept contact and, and really deliver contact anytime he gets an opportunity. 
you got to start worrying about the, the depth of your quarterback room. And I think Alabama right now, based off what we saw against Kentucky, is in much better position than it was earlier in the year. Yeah, comfortability came to mind watching Ty as much as anything because you know he's got the the skills and the talent. Uh, physically, he's continued to grow, but you're right. He just seemed totally at ease uh, in that situation. Yeah, it's a, it's a game that's well in command for Alabama. Uh, but I thought even more so than when he came in at South Florida, I guess we could look at that. That was actually a, a tight game, but, uh, and I thought he did some good things even in that game, but certainly, uh, very comfortable in that fourth quarter and some other guys as well. Good to see Jalen Hale, guys like that get out there and get some opportunities. And I was, I said it on second watch and after the game, I was glad Nick let them play football on offense because you've got a couple of games coming up with Auburn and Georgia. And if Jalen Milrow is going to be in full football player mode, not just throwing the football, but looking to do things with his legs, that means he's going to take some shots and he's going to take some hits. And so you need that next guy to be uh, especially ready, not just come in and hand the football off ready, but ready to access and operate the full playbook. So, Clint, what is it exactly that Alabama can get done in a game like this? And again, this is a this is a Chattanooga team offensively. Uh, UCLA transfer at the quarterback position, grad transfer, spent four years out in L.A., uh, worked under Chip Kelly, watching him in that game against Furman, did some impressive things, watching the Chattanooga offense. Kind of pro in its principles, similar to Alabama. You'll see some a lot of shotgun. You'll see some uh, you'll see some pistol look. You'll see some eleven personnel uh, and a team that's not afraid to attack the middle of the field off play action. Uh, but really, though, given the the opponent, uh, is it more about intangibles this week for Alabama's frontline players for you, or is is there still some things as far as growth? Uh, on the field in, in terms of production and potential production that this team can can continue to accomplish? Well, I think there's certainly some things. I mean, A, and, you know, Nick Saban talked about this, uh, talked about this during the Hey Coach show. It's about continuing to build on positive momentum. Like, there, I mean, if, when you talk about the second half of that Tennessee game, you talk about the LSU game, you talk about going on the road against Kentucky, this team has a lot of positive momentum going. And we've seen teams in the past not perf perform well in these types of games and still be able to bounce back the next week and kind of keep it going. Um, so I'm not saying that it's impossible. Like if they come out flat on Saturday, I don't think anybody's going to be overly shocked. But I don't, I, th this is a chance to continue to work and improve on some things and build because you've got a really tough game, an underrated game as far as the opponent is concerned, but also the environment and the coach and, and just the combination of factors with Auburn coming up after that. And then you got the real showdown against Georgia in the SEC championship. So you, I don't think that you needed to be taking every opportunity opportunity that you can to get better. Uh, and if you can do that, uh, I think, and from a committee standpoint, if you look flat or you look bad, especially after what happened against USF, like if you struggle with two of these types of opponents uh, in the same year, uh, you're trying to make this argument that you're not the same team that you were in week three or that you're not the same team that you were in week two uh, when you played Texas and, and USF was right after that, this team probably needs to handle its business. And they got a couple of good edge rushers. UT Chattanooga does. And so for a guy like Caden Proctor and your tackle play, and just, you know, you've seen him steadily improve, they're, they're good enough players where they're going to present some challenges and, and it can be some good live game reps that you can get. So I, I think it is, there's some things that they can look at to maybe improve on and, and continue to build on this momentum they've currently got going on. I mean, you're right. Chattanooga has a guy like Jay Pearson, was a preseason FCS All-American, had a couple of sacks against Furman last week, an edge guy that will come into this game thinking, you know what, I've watched enough tape of Alabama and pass pro. I feel like I can take a shot at this freshman left tackle. Now, you know, Caden has cleaned some things up, and I think there's been improvement there too not only with him, but in terms of how they've approached opposing edge guys and chipping more and kind of formationing in a way that helps Caden. But I think if you're Alabama, this is a game where you say, all due respect, again, to Chattanooga, you give Caden Proctor a lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities, you know, and, and see how he handles it 
uh, you know, from that perspective. And you're right. You don't want to get lit up defensively uh, to start the game by a quarterback in Chase Artopius uh, that has put up some strong numbers in his own right this season and uh, has those receivers that Nick Saban talked about earlier in the week. You know, kind of what you're seeing more and more, too, at the FCS level is some guys coming down from maybe the Western Kentuckys or even the Power Fives, and they step right in, and uh, they do some very good things. Jamoy Mays, uh, close to a 1,000-yard receiver for Chattanooga. Sam Phillips, 50 receptions. Uh, Javen Watley, uh, averaging 18.2 a catch, eight touchdown catches on the season on 44 grabs. So, I think, too, you know, with some of these games against the FCS opponents, Clint, you don't like the matchup more so because you still have to prepare. You know, there still has to be some form of preparation for these opponents. And you're you're trying to think also about Auburn a little bit in a couple weeks and then Georgia. And is there going to be some carryover? In other words, when you see Georgia Southern in 2011 – um, but I think even in 2011, there, there might have been a little bit of carryover from what Georgia Southern did to what Auburn was doing at the time. But Mercer, for example, is another academy-style offense. Uh, those don't really get you ready for what you're going to see from Auburn and then Georgia in the next couple of weeks. Where, again, when I watch this Chattanooga offense, 11 personnel, three wides, tight ends in play, some two-back look. You know, those are some things that Alabama is probably going to see in the next couple of weeks defensively. Yeah, and that's a different look than you get in some of these games. And I'll say this too. Uh, I think the main benefit of playing those different styles of offense, I think it's just it's a challenge that's being presented and how do you handle that challenge? And I think but from a schematic standpoint and seeing some things that's going to be able to carry over and that you can, you know, the principles that you've got to take into it, it's playing disciplined football. Uh, that's certainly an aspect of it, which, you know, can prove if you are or aren't, and that can, you know, help you down the road. But with this style of offense and the way that you teach Chattanooga likes to attack you defensively, it's certainly going to have some sort of carryover, actually quite a bit of carryover to what you're going to be seeing over the next couple of weeks. And so maybe the opponent, uh, the size of the offensive line, uh, you teach Chattanooga doesn't, they're not overly big. I wouldn't say they're small either necessarily, but they're not big up front offensively. Those two edge guys that we're talking about, 6'2", 233, 6, you know, 3, 220, 225. So they're not overly big out there on the edge. You would think that Alabama's, you know, 360, 370-pound tackles would be able to create some movement in the run game. But at the same time, it, they're not MTSU defensively, but kind of that aggressiveness that they play with that actually calls Alabama's offensive front some issues in week one. You'll see UT Chattanooga take some chances and do some things and be really aggressive. And so I'll be curious to see uh, from that standpoint, are they getting you know a hat on a hat? They understand how they're being attacked. They're communicating well. This type of game can set up well for something like that where you can see how that growth has happened from the season opener to now. Yeah, if you're Chattanooga, you're getting a check, you know, for sure. So uh, why not let it all hang out while you're at it? Um and this, again, this is a Chattanooga team, a, a tough loss a couple of Saturdays ago against Furman uh, at home. And kicking game kind of let them down a little bit, too. Had a field goal go off and upright in a three-point loss and also had a punt blocked. So maybe something you watch for early in the game on Saturday, Alabama perhaps coming after one uh, in the in the game on Saturday. Hey, let's uh, let's bring our guy Jimmy Stein in here mm-hmm. as well. Jimmy, how are you doing on this Thursday evening? What do you got? You got uh, are you guys got Boston College pit ramped up? Or are you on the uh, Prime Video? Maybe with the uh, Ravens and the Bengals. It's almost always college football with me, guys. I mean, almost always. I mean, when it comes to the battle of hey, the NFL's on and college's on, I'm going to choose a college game. I would say almost all the time. That that's probably not true. If this was a when Power Five. Definitely, and this is just a Power Five game, and uh, I have some uh, some some weak connections to this game through QB country, so <laughs> I have a little bit of interest in the QB rooms in both places. So uh, 
I'm watching Pitt Boston College, uh, but keeping track of the score in uh, Bengals Ravens. Yeah, this one has almost Clint a little old school, maybe a bit before your time even has almost Jimmy and, and Clint a, a, a Big E slash Independent Days <laughs> matchup from uh, Pittsburgh tonight. I was watching that game earlier, and then you know I, I realized Bengals and Ravens are on, and. Yeah. Uh, so flip that over, and about the time I flip over, Mark Andrews gets hurt, and then a, you know a little bit later, Lamar Jackson gets hurt, and I'm like, okay, I'm turning it off before I single-handedly ruin the Ravens season. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, Jimmy, I'm right there with you. If it's a good Power Five game, it, you know, even remotely good, I'm typically going to lead that way too. Yeah, it's almost gotten to the point with the Thursday night games. I'll just take competitive. Uh, we used to have some borderline games of the week back in the day on Thursday night. Now I'll just, I'll settle for competitive. And I think that's probably what we've got tonight. It looks like with BC and Pitt. So Jimmy, I asked Clint this question. Uh, what's kind of on your to-do list for Alabama in a game against an FCS opponent? I, I'm sure stay healthy um, like it is for everybody else. Get out of this thing in good health because uh, you kind of have flashbacks to Will Anderson taking on a cut block. We talk about academy style offenses that you don't want to see at this point in time in the season. Uh, Will had that scary situation against Mercer early in the season a couple of years ago. But other than that, what are you, what are you looking for on Saturday? Well, I think you can improve. I know that that might sound crazy when you're you're playing an opponent you outman to the point that Alabama outmans Chattanooga, out athletes them. But you can improve in this way: be assignment sound, call the plays, and and have the players run the plays as designed uh, by the staff on the uh, on the grease boards and the chalkboards around the facility. Run the plays as called, and defensively be sound in your assignments. Uh, not don't don't miss anything. No, no errors. That's what I'm looking for. No errors, no mistakes, no bus and running the plays as designed. You can improve uh, by just being really efficient in those areas. And that's what you can do against Chattanooga. I, I would stress in particular the run game on offense, uh, all, all offensive linemen doing their jobs in terms of not just not, not just blowing up dudes, but blowing up the right dudes, you know, know who to block. Uh, that That's how you can improve in a game like this. And uh, I would like to see Alabama have a big game on the ground, uh, give Auburn that to worry about. I think if, if defenses like Auburn and Georgia's worry more about Alabama's run game, either with the quarterback or with the running backs, either way, uh, it will help Jalen Milrow in the past game and, and those games. So assignment sound, both sides of the ball, run the ball against a team you should be able to run the ball on and uh, and feel like you're continuing to improve despite the quality of opponent. Yeah, run the ball, get you out of there quicker too, right? Keep the game moving. Uh, you want to be dominant, no doubt about it, uh, but for sure with the physical deficit in play here, that is something that Alabama should be able to continue to do. And look, we've got some viewers checking in from all kinds of places. Tuan Nguyen checking in from down in Naples. Kind of jealous, sir. <laughs> Naples is uh, not a bad place to be. He says roll tide from Naples, Florida. Our guy Tex Titer. We love him there on the roundtable with us at BamaOnline.com. Checking in as well. Gerald Vickery, not very kind to these two teams we were just talking about. He says BC Pitt <laughs> is pretty good 5A high school game. Uh, maybe 5A even in the, the state of Alabama. So It's a wicked uh, region Gerald's uh, familiar with. It's that, uh, what, 7A region of death that you got in the Birmingham area? Birmingham. Oh, jeez. Back when I rolling. played, though, we were Athens was 5A. So it would, the 6A was the biggest you could go. And so reading that, um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of some of the A's, you know? Yeah, we, we've had a couple of opponents that, that were pretty good high school teams. So, yeah, maybe, maybe so. Uh, guys, do you like the early kickoff this week? I know we're kind of getting granular when we start getting into kickoff times, but I do. Get this thing in, get it out, you know, and move more, it ahead. Yeah, more time to focus on pick. Auburn. Yeah. Yep. yep, it is more time. And, and uh, get it over with, 
be done with it early. Uh, start working on Auburn. No 24-hour rule this week. I think when the game's over and the team gets dressed and heads back to the building, start working on Auburn. I mean, that's that's a little bit of a, of a gift with the 11 a.m. kicks. Uh, and, and just selfishly, uh, I like the 11 a.m. kick for this game because, uh, hey, it allows you to, to, to get back to the pad and, and watch uh, the 2.30 window game and the 6 o'clock game. And obviously, with Alabama continuing to win this late in the season, there are so many games around the country that are vitally important to uh, to Alabama's immediate future. So, uh, yeah, get this game over with, and uh, let's watch some other games. All right, yeah. guys, what, what time do you guys uh, start officially uh, concerning yourselves about that road trip to Auburn? that every other trip, every other year trip to Jordan-Hare. Is that kind of a year-round concern for you guys, or is it just something that maybe you don't really start to think about until the game week rolls around? I think it's something you got to think about uh, to a certain extent. And But this year in particular, the second they hired Hugh Freeze, I think everybody's mind immediately went to Hugh Freeze and the trouble that he's given Alabama in the past and the fact that you're going to be in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Uh, and so – that combination, I'm sure, has been on the minds of a lot of people. And you knew Auburn was going to struggle from a talent standpoint. You know, we talked about their toughest games this year. We talked about LSU. We talked about Texas. Uh, we talked about going on the road and playing Texas A&M. That ended up being a, a challenging game. Talked about Ole Miss. But Auburn was always in that conversation. And it really wasn't because of the talent level of that football team. It was the other factors. And that hadn't changed, but on top of that, they're playing pretty good football right now. So you really start to say, okay, it can be pretty challenging. But as far as the, you know, 11 a.m. kickoff this week, I will say, uh, I think it's a, it's a, you're looking for challenges in these types of games, and there aren't too many of them. Trying to get your mind right for an early kickoff and having the discipline that you need to come out when maybe your body doesn't feel like it and it's, you know, it's a little bit earlier than, than you're used to. If you can do that, it's a challenge that you have to overcome and every little challenge that you do, I think it uh, better prepares you for the future. So, um, yeah, Auburn, I don't know about Jimmy, but Auburn has been, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I was leaning. I'm, I'm a little more miss, you know, team miss Terry on this. Uh, I knew Kentucky <sighs> would, would have some, would be a challenge as well, but Auburn was the one it's like, you know, cause you know, Hugh has been preparing this for this for a while. Yeah, uh, the way I, you know, Auburn gives Alabama a lot of trouble in Jordan Hare. But uh, one thing I looked at recently is, you know, the Auburn teams that have given Nick Saban trouble have all been really good. The worst <laughs> Auburn teams, the worst ones that have beaten Nick Saban's Alabama, finished nine and four. The worst ones. So, you know, the, it would be unprecedented. For an Auburn team that's more like a seven and six type team this year, looks like to me, uh, maybe eight and five, they get lucky in a bowl game. But I, I, I don't think this Auburn team is typical of the Auburn teams that have beaten Alabama in the past. So in my mind, it would be unprecedented. But heck, uh, you know, you could actually rename Jordan Hare Stadium unprecedented stadium. So it's a couple of years ago, I'll, too. I'll be nervous. They weren't too good a couple of years ago and they gave Alabama a run. So they sure did. Yeah, sure it, yeah, it's not just about the wins, but you're 100% right. I agree with you on that. You know, helping you, too, if you're Nick Saban, you got to think this week is you got senior day Saturday as Alabama's going to honor those guys uh, prior to kickoff. Uh, but let me ask you this. Because of COVID and because of red shirts, there are so many different things to consider in terms of guys who were honored last year that came back or guys that are going to be honored Saturday that could potentially come back. Do you guys have maybe one guy that you look at from that regard and say to yourself, he is most likely to return and or uh, could be most beneficial to Alabama if he returns for another year? Are we not all thinking the exact same player? Maybe. Seth McLaughlin? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, that, to me, that's the obvious answer. I mean, I, Alabama's center situation, he's gotten better, so I don't think fans would be as upset about it. They might still want somebody else for the future, but that one makes the most sense to me because I don't think he's going to be a high NFL draft pick. I don't think I don't think him coming back is going to improve his, his draft status too much, uh, but at the same time, I also don't think it would hurt it if he stays healthy, and he just kind of seems like a guy who would enjoy another year in college, um, and I know – 
he feels like that next offensive lineman that Alabama would love to have back. It was Darian Dalcourt this year. It was Kendall Randolph last year. It was Chris Owens the year before. So to me, Seth McLaughlin feels like the obvious answer on that front. I also think he's a better player than, than, than some of those guys you listed. Uh, when Seth is good, he's, he's pretty good. And th- those snap issues were that, – that was an issue. When I say issues, I mean that was a big issue. But he got past it. And I think now that he's past it and you watch him play, he's pretty good. And, boy, having an experienced center is so valuable to me. So I, I, I know I would like it just to see Seth return. And while I agree with Clint, I, you know, he's if he came out, he would if he's drafted, he would go in a certain round. I'm not sure coming back improves that for him, but it might. And I think that his ability to stick in the NFL could be improved by coming back just in the sense that, you know, that's the bigger, stronger league. You know, the only thing they, they want you to do is be bigger and stronger. And I think one more year of lifting, one more year of eating well, one more year of training your body for the rigors of the NFL might help him out. So I think the answer is Seth. I would have said Trey Amos, but uh, from the reporting Charlie Potter did earlier this week, Trey Amos is not even participating Saturday and Senior Day. To me, that sends the message that he's already decided to return, uh, which which is great news because I, I might have said Trey Amos if he was uh, – one of the ones that was being honored on Saturday. Yeah, that was kind of the and one, like the three-point play in basketball. You get the bucket when you get Trey Amos, but the free throw comes when he had that extra year of eligibility. He wasn't just a one-and-done type uh, as a transfer. Uh, I think McLaughlin, I guess, talked earlier in the week about he'll have gotten his master's too uh, yep. next month. So academically, I'm sure there's more you can do. I, I wouldn't know that. I wouldn't know anything about anything beyond even an AA. Um, but I'm sure there's, there's paths you can take, uh, down that road and continue to take. What about on the defensive side though? I mean, I think about a guy like Chris Braswell, because if Dallas Turner cool. does what we all expect Dallas Turner to do, uh, if you were to get Braswell back, that gives you at least one edge, that you can build on. I think Q Robinson, he comes back. That's another guy with experience. Would Malachi Uh, Malachi would be on my radar too, in terms of importance. Again, there, there's some intriguing guys out there when you talk about it from that perspective. Q, uh, hopefully Q's listening to the show. Uh, Q, you need to come back. I mean, I'm just being, Q needs to come back. And I know he is going to walk Saturday and, and be one of the seniors that's honored, but Man, uh, I think the NFL would like to see more tape. I mean, they're going to be impressed with his wingspan. This this kid looks like a pro to me. He's got this impressive length. He's got great burst. I mean, some of the physical skills are there that the NFL is going to like, but they just need more tape, in my opinion, more he need, tape he needs of him a year, Jimmy, playing well. He needs a year like Chris Braswell's had this year. Exactly. And he needs exactly. to probably still get to 245 if he can get to 250, right? Right. So he needs to come back, and I think the team could really use him. As far as Braz, of course, if he comes back, that would be just awesome. Malachi, uh, like I said on the board this week, if Malachi came back, he's not a coach on the field. He's a professor emer- <laughs> emeritus on the field, or however you say that. <laughs> uh, I mean, Malachi would be – probably one of the great traffic cops in Alabama history if he came back next year directing the secondary. But, you know, to me, Braz and Malachi, I mean, they've had good years. Uh, they're they're highly draftable guys. I don't know about round one, maybe for Braz. That's kind of a stretch to me. But to me, they're, they're very possible day two guys. So I, I, I hope they come back, but I, I would understand it if they moved on. Well, and you also got to think about it's not it's not just – participating in senior day necessarily and it's the nfl it's also transfer portal world like there could be a guy who you know th- there were some questions about jermaine burton last year like does he enter the nfl draft does he choose to transfer elsewhere i know he had already used his transfer to transfer to alabama but you know you don't know what the graduation status is for some of these guys and you can always end up getting another i mean jt daniels has played at 42 schools by now so certainly someone's it's possible uh but you know you'll have these types of questions too. Uh, but I will say, you know, for, for Braz, he feels like a guy right now who's kind of solidified himself as a day two pick, but you've seen some players elect to come back for one more year and it's been extremely beneficial. And it's something that 
you know, I was kind of mulling over earlier today outside of like Henry Toho Toho. And I know he plays a different position, but just it was funny that you bring this up because it reminded me of what I was thinking about. You know, how many linebackers have returned for a fourth year at Alabama and it greatly benefited their draft status? You know, you got Reggie Ragland, you got Reuben Foster, you got Rashawn Evans, you got Dante Hightower. CJ Mosley, all these different guys, it benefited them to come back. Then you start looking at some of the guys who chose to left to leave early, you know, a Mac Wilson or uh Christian Harris. These guys that still, you know, got drafted, obviously, and Christian Harris went in the third round. But you start to question, you know, what if if Christian Harris would have deci- decided to come back? Could he have worked himself into being an earlier day two pick or maybe even a day one pick? A lot of traits there that were desirable to NFL teams, but probably needed another year. So I was thinking about that in terms of Deontay Lawson and just the fact that he's a, a red shirt freshman. He's dealt with injuries. You start thinking about, you know, who could possibly leave, who might not. But he would be, if I were advising him, I would bring up all those guys who benefited coming back. And then I would also maybe mention some of the guys who chose to leave early who maybe it didn't work out for. Yeah. I mean, there's a mix of that. I can go back to, gosh, what was it, 2009? Uh, Kareem Jackson came out and. Nick was pretty nonplussed, I think, about that decision at the time. Then draft day rolls around, and Kareem Jackson looks like a genius. And Kareem Jackson has been in the league what now? 37 years. years 14, 15 <laughs> years now? Um, yeah, good point. But, but that's, that's, a, that's not an every case sort of basis. And, you know, health obviously plays a role in this too. Right? Guys like Dante, he needed 2011 because 2010 – after the knee injury in 2009, the significant knee injury, if you saw him in 2010, he wasn't back. back. 2011, he looked a lot more like that dude. Dylan Moses, significant knee injury. Mark Barron, Jimmy, he doesn't come back in 2011 if he doesn't have the injury against Auburn. I agree. No, that's Um, right. That 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 injury. You talk about a a horrible turn of events for Alabama in a game that ended up working out okay – um, Mark Barron's could, injury in that you could game. argue, you could argue, guys. Mark Barron tearing his pec muscle handed Auburn the 2010 national championship, yet delivered Alabama the 2011 national championship. I mean, it's a stretch, but you could make the case. Solidified that defense, no doubt about it. Well, Clint, we're going to let you get out of here. Uh, we appreciate the contributions as always. Clint does great, great work for us at BamaOnline.com. He's got our staff picks up today. I know that you noted that Nick Saban might not be happy with our scores, <laughs> but I think deep down, Clint, even he's got to know, right? And I know he talked about it on the show tonight. Even with that 2016 team and all those names on defense, he remembers looking up at the scoreboard, I guess, in the second quarter, and it's 3 nothing mocks. Uh, but it, it looked like we were all pretty much in the same neighborhood on those picks. Uh, hey, bottom line, it's it's the no-no in baseball. You know, <laughs> you're, you're not – everybody's thinking it, but you're not allowed to talk about it. And that's kind of – that doesn't stop us, but that's also why we're not overly popular with the, the head ball coach. So <laughs> – it is but what we it still is. had our guy Charlie on the show tonight. And, repeat, he, and he crushed it. Repeat media host, Charlie. Absolutely. Potter, so, Appreciate uh, you you boys for uh, entertaining me for the last half hour. And uh, I guess I'll see you guys next week. And it'll be a Thanksgiving day edition. We'll have to figure that out now. Yeah. You know, now, look, we'll have to see about Thanksgiving night. If you're I love you crazy, guys. I really if do. If you're but... crazy enough, we can do this during the Egg Bowl. You know, I mean, <laughs> we will have Ole Miss Mississippi State a coachless Mississippi State team uh, taking on Lane and the Rebels. But we'll figure something out for next week. Until then, thanks, Clint. Appreciate you, boys. There he goes. Clint Lamb joining us. And now it is Jimmy and myself as we wind down the latest edition of Thursday Night Tide. Hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, around the league uh, Mm -hmm. this weekend because before the season, there was so much talk about Tennessee, Georgia, at this spot on the schedule and really thanks to Florida and Alabama and most recently Missouri, uh, a lot of the sheen has gone off that game. Georgia has certainly held up its end of the bargain, uh, but the ball's now uh, clearly out of the SEC Eastern division race. Any chance of a surprise there you think with Tennessee playing at home, Jimmy and Georgia already having its business pretty much tended to, although 
Georgia at this point doesn't think in terms of divisions and maybe even conference championships, similar to Alabama now. Uh, what do you think about that game? Well, uh, first of all, I was very wrong about that game in the sense that uh, the entire summer uh, and into the fall, uh, I was pretty loud in saying uh, that, that I, I thought Tennessee would win this game. I thought that Georgia would finish 11-1 and and not beat Tennessee and Knoxville. They would suffer a similar fate as Alabama did uh, a year ago. But this is why making predictions in the summer and, and early in the fall is foolhardy because uh, Tennessee is playing its worst football of the season, in my opinion, and Georgia's playing its best football of the season. And uh, it's just not a good time for, uh, for, for Tennessee to play this game. Now, do they have a chance? I, I think so. You know, Joe Milton is sort of a Buster Douglas type, I think, when he's in the ring. I mean, you know, it's not going to be consistent. It's not going to be pretty. But uh, could he knock out Mike Tyson? Yeah, yeah, that could happen. And, and I think Joe Milton is that type of player. He could have one of those days, uh, and, and his physical uh, skill set is fantastic. In the first half against Alabama, I thought he played extremely well. If he, if he did that for 60 minutes against Georgia, maybe it will be tight. So uh, I'm, I'm backtracking on what I've consistently said all year. Uh, I think Georgia will win this game. I think they're just playing – really well and i think tennessee is sort of limping toward the finish line here do you watch a game like this one through the lens of joe milton in terms of skill set and ability is similar in some ways to jalen milrow so maybe if milton's able to do some things against this georgia defense there's some translation to jalen milrow in a couple of three saturdays in atlanta well, you got to be smart. I mean, I think Alabama's coaching staff, they're going to watch every single Georgia game and just, you know, there, there will be, you know, so much of it's done with computers and AI and all this now, gotta, all the scouting yeah. that's done. But I think what you're looking for is, okay, what works? What has worked? What works that we do well at Alabama? Uh, what has not worked? <laughs> what's, what's something that we're wasting our time doing? Uh, but I think when you have a quarterback like Joe Milton, who has some similarities to Milrow, uh, you can you can glean more from that in terms of how Tennessee attacks and, again, what works and what doesn't. Uh, they're not identical to me, but they do share some similarities. Uh, Tennessee this year offensively looks a little bit more like what Alabama looks like. Frankly, they you know people that are, are used to what, what they saw from Tennessee last year with with the quarterback that was great with the deep ball and, and having four receivers that are all NFL guys running vertical routes and not throwing the ball and not running the ball uh, too much. But this year they're a kind of run the ball first offense and then, then try to play action off that. I give Tennessee a puncher's chance, but uh, Georgia's just too good yeah, right now. I, I kind of feel the same way about the game. And I look at, um, Tennessee right now, I just don't think there's enough explosiveness and playmaking ability even around Joe Milton. And he is similar to, as you said, uh, Jalen in some ways, but he's not the dynamic explosive runner that can change games uh, with his legs. Both can throw the deep ball. I think Jalen has proven to be a little more accurate in that regard. Milton's maybe improved a little bit. I, I, I know teams change from year to year. The defenses change from year to year. Uh, but you know, this is a Tennessee offense a year ago with all of its proficiency that scored what seven points in Athens. Right. Um, and that was with Jalen Hyatt and a lot of those guys, Brew McCoy was available. I think Cedric Tillman maybe was, might've played in that game too. I just think that it's going to have to be an exceptional heroic type day as you're pointing to, I think for Joe Milton. And uh, and those backs, too. I mean, they, that's Tennessee football right now for me. If Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson and Jabari Small aren't able to contribute in a significant way, it's going to be a tough, tough day for that offense. And that's really what happened to Tennessee last Saturday in Como. You know, it, yeah. it's just kind of amazing to look at this offense right now and see uh, the struggles that they're having uh didn't talk to clint about this your thoughts on the coaching changes that we're already seeing in the league jimbo out at texas a&m zach arnett out at mississippi state either one of those surprise you maybe the timing of one or both of them i think 
it's still hard for me to wrap my head around, you know, paying Jimbo Fisher $76 million not to coach is I'm not, you know, arguing that they should have kept him based on his performance. This is the team that in my mind has consistently underachieved versus any other team in the league based on what their talent, based on how good they could or should be. And they're consistently underachieving and that's on the coaches, but, Gosh, $76 million not to coach. Uh, that just blows my mind. It's the largest buyout of a coach's contract, not just in college football history, but in American sports history. Um, and, and who would have thought Jimbo Fisher would be the recipient of that? bigger in Texas, Jimmy. We know that, right? <laughs> 76 times bigger than, uh, <laughs> than, than other things, apparently. Zach Arnett, you know, I think two things can be true, just my – opinion of, of watching Mississippi State this year, I think two things can be true. Uh, one is that I don't think that was ever going to work long term. Uh, I, I don't think Zach Arnett was ready to be an SEC head coach and be the CEO of, a, of an SEC program and uh, and have the recruiting success that, that you would need in a difficult place to recruit. So I don't think it ever would have worked. But I also think uh, he wasn't given a fair amount of time at all, especially considering he needed to dismantle uh, what the, the offense had been. The, the offensive machine, it needed to be dismantled and rebuilt. You were never going to do that in one season, trans, uh, transition from that air raid Mike Leach offense to a more pro-style, typical offense. Uh, that was going to take a couple of cycles at minimum. So I, I think it was never going to work, but at the same time, Gosh, I, I'm not sure that Zach was treated very fairly in terms of being given a fair chance. Yeah, it felt like Zach Arnett really tried to do Mississippi State a solid in just the most unthinkable of situations with the sudden and untimely passing of Mike Leach. And if you're Zach Arnett, you don't have the cachet to make those kind of changes and have two or three or four years for them to – to go into effect in which they become a positive maybe for the program, right? You're not, you're not Mike Leach bringing in the air raid and changing over from what Joe Moorhead had. You're Mike Leach. It's an accomplished (laughs) head football coach, innovator. You're there for the offense. Um, But it was a tough situation. And sometimes, sometimes your buyout can keep you in a place for another year. And sometimes your buyout goes ahead and gets you out. And Zach That's Arnett's yeah, he buyout was, was low enough to go ahead and do that. Yeah, he was easy to fire. And, uh, you know, I'm not his, his agent, but if I was his agent, I would uh, I would get on the phone with with Los Angeles and uh, and Lincoln Riley. I, I know that that would be a great way to keep your name in the headlines. It's a difficult job being Lincoln Riley's defensive coordinator. But Zach Arnett, I think, has a track record uh, of running a defense. And now he's run a whole program and that, that may have helped him become even a better defensive coordinator in terms of knowing what, what's expected of you by the head guy. And uh, I, I think Zach Arnett would be a, a, an intriguing candidate to be the DC at USC. And it would be a good career move for him coming off a, a firing like that. Yeah, I don't, I have no doubt. I agree a hundred percent. Zach Arnett as a power five defensive coordinator, uh, that feels like a pretty much a sure thing for, 2024. Donald Andrews says Jimbo Fisher has a standing tea time somewhere. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, you know, uh, if, if you could buy your way into Augusta National, I think 75 million <laughs> might do it, Jimmy. Uh, we know you can't yeah. quite do that uh, at Augusta, but uh, for I don't sure. Know, I don't know Jimbo well. He might have a standing tea time somewhere, but I can tell you this. I can tell you where he's going to be in about seven hours, and that's sitting in a tree in a uh, deer hunting stand. I think that's <laughs> I think that's Jimbo's version of golf is uh, tree stands and uh, deer hunting. And uh, with the kind of money he's got now, uh, there is no land at which he cannot afford the the lease to hunt. So uh, Jimbo's going to be doing a lot of hunting and fishing. And, uh, you know, eventually he may have the biggest house in uh, 30A, which which I guess is now a uh, just an entire uh, neighborhood full of uh, fired SEC head football coaches. Yeah, we could call him Jimbo Dutton. You know, he could be like, uh, have his own ranch, could do a spinoff of Yellowstone. He can buy enough land now out in the big sky. If that's what Jimbo wants to do, we'll just uh, go with Jimbo Dutton. 
Gerald here uh, wants to ask, will Washington go down Saturday? I'm on record. Uh, Jimmy is thinking Washington will go down in Corvallis. And is there any chance Florida State slips up next week in Gainesville? Where are you at on those two? Well, I'm with you. I like Oregon State to beat Washington. I just think they're a more complete football team. Washington, to me, has is, is not looked good on defense. And at times, their offense has misfired. It hasn't been perfect all season long on offense uh, for the Huskies. But defensively, they're not too good. I, I like Oregon State to sort of out-physical that uh, finesse pass game that Washington's got. So I like Oregon State to win. I think FSU could potentially lose to Florida. I have seen Florida play well enough to win that game and beat Florida State. What I've not seen Florida do is play well enough to beat Florida State for 60 minutes. Uh, but Florida does have, I, I put it this way, Miami sort of stressed Florida State a little bit, and I like Florida better than Miami right now. And uh, while no one's looking, Graham Mertz has had a really solid season almost without notice. He didn't have a good September, and I think a lot of fans around the league wrote him off. But if you'd seen Florida and Graham Mertz play about October 1st on, he's been he's a good good quarterback. So I do give Florida a chance there, enough to where, hey, when that game kicks off, uh, you know, a week from Saturday, I, I'm going to watch Florida, Florida State, because I do think Florida has a chance. Uh, but I won't be wagering Jimbo Fisher money on it. <laughs> we talk about these programs, these teams in front of Alabama, and more than a couple of them aren't experienced in the ways of late November either. And as we've heard Nick Saban say, as you climb the mountain, the air gets thinner. That's what Florida State kind of looked like last week to me. And Texas has looked that way a couple of times as we've gotten deeper into the season. Um, Washington has sort of put off that vibe. So that's why I, I still don't write off these teams that uh, the teams ahead of Alabama have other than the you know, Ohio State and Michigan are going to play each other. So that's going to take care of itself. You know, Alabama, Georgia are going to play each other. But I do think, too, Florida State people feel like kind of Alabama people do about going to Auburn when Florida State goes to Gainesville because some crazy stuff has happened in the past uh, in Gainesville. Uh, probably more so in the Steve Spurrier era. I remember, I guess it was mid-90s, Doug Johnson and Quezzy Green. And I think I think Spurrier rotated quarterbacks every play. And uh, that was one of the great Florida State teams under Bobby Bowden that lost there in Gainesville. So, you know, you never know once you get into that last week of uh, November. And then conference championship Saturday can be kind of crazy as well. Well, Jimmy, that's going to do it. We're going to wrap this thing up on a Thursday night. Hey, you've got uh, Alabama basketball off to a 3-0 and start and looking to continue on that good play tomorrow night at Coleman Coliseum. The Bears of Mercer from Macon, Georgia, going to pay a visit to UA to take on Nate Oates' team. So we'll have coverage of that for you as well. You talk about a team, Jimmy, right now anyway, doesn't have problems scoring. That would be uh, Alabama hoops. I think Alabama uh, will get to uh, easily surpass 400 points on the season Friday. It's easy to keep track of what's Alabama's season point total when they're right around uh, and a little over 100 each night. So uh, I like Alabama to – sail a little past 400 points on the season against a Mercer uh, Bears team that, uh, yeah. you know, I looked at what they've done so far. It's not, it's not great. They lost to Moorhead, for instance, who Alabama uh, easily dispatched in the opener. Yeah, this is, uh, this isn't a good team to have uh, like a promotion for a hundred points. You get free tacos or something at Taco Casa or something. You'd be be stacked up in the drive-through, it seems like, about every night for this Alabama team. But plenty going on with us at BamaOnline.com. Always appreciate Jimmy Clint checking in here on Thursday Night Tide. And you as well, our viewers contributing. Um, still got fans worrying about, too, you know, can Alabama get into the top four? I say just take care of your business, Jimmy. Let things kind of play out. If you go 12-1, and one, and you beat number one Georgia in the SEC championship game, and there's a way in which you can't get into the 
to the top four, that that will be very much the exception yeah. than what we've yeah. seen as a rule. Yeah, I've, I've been saying this consistently, still believe it. The chances of Alabama winning out are less than the chances of Alabama winning out and being excluded from the tournament. So I would agree with that. So yeah. I, I, I think just focusing on winning out and saving uh, the potential outcry till uh, that, that Saturday night and Sunday morning, <laughs> uh, because winning out is going to be problematic. I mean, uh, let, let's, let's, let's remember that this Alabama team is the sum of its season. And, uh, it's almost comical to think that this Alabama team on the Sunday after South Florida and, and, and our, our focus is on where Alabama should be in the CFP rankings and not uh, if they beat the Georgia Bulldogs is sort of comical, really. Uh, that Georgia game is going to be one heck of a challenge. And Georgia's got some, uh, some, some, some hurt feelings about the Alabama matchup in the SEC championship games. They, they're, they're not showing up just to make the playoff. Travis, they're showing up to exercise some demons. And that's interesting considering that the last time these teams won, faced each other, Georgia won the football game and the national championship. But I agree. Uh, what is it? Alabama seven out of the last eight and hasn't lost in the state of Georgia to Georgia under Nick Saban. So there are still some things to rectify, I'm sure. In the eyes of the 2018, 2021. The yeah. 2020 national championship game in yeah. Atlanta, uh, yeah, Georgia hasn't had a lot of luck with uh, with Alabama in that building, and uh, so they're not just trying to get a spot in the playoff; they're trying to uh, avenge uh, a, a decade of disappointment. 2008 in Athens, 2015 in Athens. You know, you can go on and on with that one. Hey, Jimmy, appreciate it again, my man. We'll uh, we'll figure out next week with the holiday, but uh, until then. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you again soon. For Jimmy Stein, Travis Ryer, also want to thank Clint Lamb and you for tuning in to Thursday Night Tide. And until next time, so long, everybody. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.